Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Adam Kurznowski, co-founder of Airworks. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In today's show, we'll hear how Adam went from owning a masonry subcontracting firm to starting a drone company and then taking what he learned from both to become one of the co-founders of Airworks, a software company that uses data collected from drones and satellites to produce 2D CAD drawings in three to four days. If you love hearing about entrepreneurship and construction tech, you'll want to listen up. Enjoy the show. Oh, I should have should have prefaced and made sure I double checked on your name. I've said it a few times, but Adam Kersnowski. That is good. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thank you for having me. Great, um, Adam. You know, I did the same thing with uh, McCall from Smart Grid when he came on. Mm-hmm. Um, new technology. People might not be aware of what you guys are doing. Could you just give us maybe the like the, the high level, no pun intended, actually. Yeah. That was a good one, Joe. The high level view of um, what Airworks does. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Airworks is an aerial intelligence company. Uh, our, our core of our business is we convert aerial images, whether it's from drones, aircraft, or satellite. We convert those image sets into site plans. Um, and how we do that is with machine learning, we actually trace the objects that are in those images uh, and it converts it into an AutoCAD uh, form. Um, So not only are the objects uh, traced, they're labeled, and um, now we have also a geo-reference to all of that labeling as well. So it's it's incredible for uh, the civil engineering survey and uh, land development world as uh, trying as they're obtaining uh, GIS uh, documentation of the land they're about to purchase or the land that they're about to uh, work on. Yeah, and uh, I think you you've talked about um, phasing drawings as well, like kind of continuous as built exactly type yeah. type things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the thing that stuck out the most to me that caught my attention. Now, this is probably almost a year or so ago now when we were originally chatting uh, with some other folks at Airworks, yeah. um, was the 2D, right? Because yeah. I always knew, okay, drones are giving you the imagery, you know, almost like, um, think Matterport. Are you familiar with Matterport yeah. at all? Yeah. yeah, I've used it before in yeah. projects, okay. yeah, right. in- interior-wise. Right, yeah. you know, and that's really the images, but it's never been produced onto a 2D Correct. You know, cat yeah. files. I thought that was um, pretty slick. So, we'll, yeah, we'll dig in down the line as far as you guys do a lot more. Um, but that's roughly just setting the groundwork. Um, let me think about the order I want to go with this. But so you've, you've got a background in construction. I do, yeah. Right? Um, what were you doing prior to Airworks? Like how you know, and then kind of how did you make the transition from the construction world into a, a tech startup? Sure. So uh, I my uh, start in construction was early on, back to my high school days, working with my uh, now father-in-law in the trades. Hmm. And uh, Funny. after high school, uh, I went to college. I was studying occupational therapy. Um, and when I moved to Boston to go to graduate school, uh, my wife and I found out we were pregnant, and uh, sort of that was the kick that I needed to to start something. Um, I I knew that 
always I, I wanted to be a business owner and uh, this was just the real the real push that I needed at that point in life. So you actually moved to Boston to go to grad school and then you just pulled the plug on grad school or yes. did you even okay wow <laughs> all right where were you gonna go? Well, uh, so Tufts uh, has an OT program, mm -hmm. and so that's what I was really trying to look into. It was all like, as, as I moved down to Boston, it happened really fast. Moved to Boston, tried, you know, of course you have to make ends meet, so mm -hmm. I, had, I was a, a tutor at a special ed classroom in Lexington, um, and uh, that unfortunately, although it is it's very fulfilling, to your to my soul yeah <laughs> but it's very tough to live in boston off of that kind of salary yeah and so this was what preempted that my my uh push to to, to uh, start the company okay and that was masonry right that was masonry yep yeah. and then uh, that business evolved into a masonry and tile um, okay yeah. yeah now what were you doing were you doing want to do family were you doing commercial what was it's the really, scope what was yeah it was a good mix of both um we did do mostly residential, but we also did a lot of commercial stuff. Uh, the commercial side of things were more on the masonry, so a lot of facade work. Okay. Um, and actually, that was my earliest inter uh, introduction to using drones. Uh, when hmm. drones came onto the market, uh, I saw an immediate use case within my business at that time, and it was really from an inspectional standpoint. Yeah. So most masonry, except for a fireplace inside and, and hardscape, is all elevated and off the ground. Yeah. And, you know, I was lugging around large ladders and crawling up on roofs and trying to inspect facades of buildings with, with just uh, a means that were expensive and, and time-consuming and dangerous. And dangerous, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started using them early on just for a better a better point of view of what I was trying to estimate and it was very useful and that's really when I f started falling in love with just drones in general they're fun to, to fly and just you know use them and uh, but then there was a, an immediate return for me yeah. now can I ask yeah. what year was this ballpark would you say yeah this was uh, probably about 2013 okay. so about so five, five years, years ago, ago. Okay. yeah all right and now before you take that next leap, which it sounds like you were just about to do. Yeah. Now, were you a mason prior to starting this business? Is that Was that your background? You were a mason and then you kind of started doing it yourself and it grew or? What? Well, that was my experience with my father-in-law. He was a mason. He took over his father's masonry business. Um, and so by, I guess by, by trade, you, you would call me a mason. Okay. Um, and when I first started my company, it was just myself. And shortly after that, you know, you pick up a couple, a couple, a couple employees mm -hmm. and then grew the business. Mm -hmm. uh, at the largest, we had 30 folks on staff um, and a mix of sub subs that we also uh, had partnered with. You know, of, of course, you know, as, a, as projects uh, scale or, uh, you, you know, you need to be able to um, uh, support your, the, my customers that I'm working right. with. Um, but uh, maybe remind yeah, yeah, yeah. me. No, of, no. So yeah. that was a decent, but that's a decent sized crew. You're talking 30 masons, so mix of masons and laborers. Yeah. Um, were you running everything from the project management side, or did you have some folks doing project management for you? 
Yeah, uh, we had a, a nice team built out. Mm-hmm. Um, a management. It wasn't all Masons, of course, mm-hmm. laborers, but also a, a staff behind it um, for project management and and just in the office general. Okay, so this was yeah. a yeah was full a, on large scale. This wasn't a guy with a pickup truck. You, you guys, no. you know, you yeah. had a yard and you were yep. materials and everything. Yep. Okay, so you were going through that process. You started using drones a little bit, and that piqued your interest as this works. Yes. Um, it's a useful tool. Yep. We're going to go this way. Did you have to, what, did you have to do some education as far as, yeah. you know, how'd you get this knowledge level to then go say, we're going to, I'm going to co-found a aerial mapping company. That's a, that's a big leap from <laughs> yeah. a bricky running a business to, uh, I have a, you know, mapping startup. Yeah. It, it was a, a big leap in that sense, but I think if you go back to the way that I ran my business um, and the different materials that more on the tile side that we were introducing to um, our construction, um, it's just sort of like cutting edge at the time. Um, there were full foam systems for uh, bathrooms and, and that was just sort of coming on scene. So I was always uh, into using uh, new technologies within the construction industry and that sort of was my drive was I was always looking for you know how do I differentiate myself within the construction businesses of course you can have really good customer service and and your product can be really uh, excellent excellent as well Uh, but how do you manage all that so I really got into a lot of different management softwares and you know kind of molded my Mm. own you know, use this a little bit of this one because I really liked that feature, and this one over here because I like that feature, um, and sort of that all that coming together at the same time as now my interest for um, UAVs and drones. I started my my first drone company was more on the piloting uh, side of things. So the hmm. the company um, had collected. Uh, over 2,000 pilots across the United States that we had in in our network. Um, at the time, you there was no Part 107, uh, which is the, a drone your drone license now, which you have to operate uh, a UAV. Uh, we had to live under something called the 333 exemption, and one of the rules for that is you had to be a licensed aircraft pilot. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, I took a sip at the same time. <laughs> That's a little ridiculous. It is, and it was. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I I fully uh, uh, understand and back the FAA with their rules and regulations. I mean, we operate within them all the time, um, and but it makes it tough for a business to grow in that sense. I mean, yeah having a, a, a customer that wants a project and they're willing to pay you for it and you just have to tell them you can't do it because of airspace uh, uh, restrictions mm-hmm. or I can't uh, hire the right person to do this project because of this uh, licensing. Because I need an not airline there. pilot yeah. to <laughs> do essentially a, a remote-controlled car that flies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the very beginning, I sort of hacked the system a little bit. We, we would hire aircraft pilots, literally stand next to me, and I would fly the drone. Wow. And until pilots started also uh, 
becoming Learn. better drone pilots. Yep. Um, you know, then there was then we were able to rely on on those pilots, and especially that we built out this network um, of pilots that we could tap into for work. As now, well. were you regional or were you? Uh, well, we were. It, this was across the the U.S. Okay. At that time, uh-huh. most yeah. of our work was actually in California. Hmm. Um, they were a little more forward thinking in in the UAV space, but then we had a, this really nice uh, pilot network that we could tap into it when customers came to us for, with different projects. Okay. Just for folks that might not know, UAV. Uh, unmanned aerial vehicle. Okay. Yeah. Great. So I'll I'll say UAV most of the time. Go for it. Um, because I feel like that's the proper term for it. Yeah. yeah. When when drones, I, I feel like is more of a, a militant kind of uh, term, but mm-hmm. obviously it's more wild, uh, widely used. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll go back and forth between the two. Good deal. Yeah. Um. So, masonry companies going full tilt. Mm-hmm. The drone company comes on the side. It did. It came onto the side and was gaining momentum. Um, but unfortunately, um, we just couldn't keep that drone business alive at the time. Uh, partnerships, just just life in general happens. Um, I had some health problems, and uh, that kind of came to a close. But then new doors open. Uh, at the very tail end of that drone company, um, I had, had met uh, one of my one of the early founders of Airworks. He mm. was an intern um, at uh, that company. And we really had a great connection. And um, after uh, he had found out that that company had closed, uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, listen, I have a couple uh, friends of mine. Uh, he was in business school at, uh, at Sloan School of Management uh, from MIT. And uh, he said he had a couple friends that... Um, he wanted to uh, introduce me to, um, and I, I, at the time I was like, I just needed a break. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just a very stressful time in life, and I, even after talking to my wife, it was like, really, do we really want to go through this again right away? Mm-hmm. But after meeting um, my, my now partner, mm-hmm. uh, one of my best friends, um, I just... Uh, immediately knew that this was the space uh, that I, I, sh- I needed to, to stay in and to continue. Um, now, who is that? Who was your friend? Yeah. Who, who, is, your, so, who is your friend? <laughs> so, well, um, so Max Dubinsky was the intern and then actually one of the early founders of Airworks. Yep. Uh, there was four of us originally. Uh, another Adam, Adam Vaccaro. He's okay. gone off to, uh, to be, he's the lead engineer for an airline company for their landing gear. Um, out in Colorado, so it was good. Everybody yeah. had kind of went in their own direction. Somebody mm-hmm. had a love more for hardware, and and that's great. That's Still great do, relationships. Yeah. Um, Max actually went back to private equity, so in Boston, but still very much part of the Airworks family. Okay. Um, and then David Morchnik uh, is the CEO and founder of uh, Airworks, and 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 that's really the the bond and the partnership that's uh, just been amazing so far for mm. the growth of and, and traction of our company. So what were those early conversations? Um, what, you know, what was what were you writing on the back of a napkin? Did yeah, yeah. So um, coming from my previous drone company and starting with the three 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 exemption that we were living in, and then going to part one hundred seven. Um, the 333 part of it actually was a harder barrier 
to entry for other drone companies and pilots, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was a longer, harder process to get in. And as soon as 107 opened up, it was like the floodgates opened up. Yeah. yeah. So now we had an immense amount of pilots on the scene, other drone companies on the scene. And um, it, it became harder to live in that piloting space. But throughout this early work, we realized that the data collection side of it and even that early stitching of the imagery had been already really done. It had already been tackled. Most of the investment going into the industry was really focused on that. So we were already using um, off-the-shelf systems for at least the data collection and that early photogrammetry and, and image stitching. And it was that product that came out of there you, was a point cloud, an orthomosaic. And we were handing this to clients, but clients were saying, well, what do we do with it? Mm. It's, it's, it's a massive amount of data. It's great. Um, but what, what, what can we do with this at this point? And so that's what we really sat down, put our heads together and, and wanted to tackle. And what we found out is after we were delivering this, these data sets to clients, they were still having um, civil engineers actually living in CAD tracing these objects in the imagery to create hmm. the site plans. And for ourselves, it was taking 40 plus hours to, to do a 40-acre site. And that's what we set out to tackle was that process right there. That was actually most of the work. If you look at the, the total uh, size or cycle of a, of a typical project, I'd say 10% is the data collection, 10% is the image stitching, and then 80% is the actual engineering side of it, making that data useful to people. Yeah. Right? So how do you get from data collection, image stitching, which you guys are good at, yeah. to the kind of inefficient other 80% that it takes to transfer that information into a usable format? How do you close that? Yeah. So yeah. of course is building autonomy. Um, I, in, in most businesses, right, that's mm. exactly how you scale is, is you build an autonomy. So, yeah. Before you do that, just for folks, I've hung out, I know nothing, but I've hung out and been around enough VDC BIM folks that I've heard the terms and have a rough idea, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. So, uh, image stitch, image image stitching i can't even yeah. say it never mind know what it is right in photogrammetry. photogrammetry yeah why don't you tell people what you mean i think people can kind of imagine image stitching stitching but yeah what is that what do you mean when you use those terms okay so um when we go and fly a project mm -hmm. uh we set parameters on on our uav tell it how high to fly um we're actually driven by ground sampling distance, so uh, we, we care greatly about how, um, in, a, in a single pixel of an image, how accurate uh, we can get that pixel. So we want to fly at a certain height that gives us the best ground sampling distance because that's what allows us to trace uh, those objects. So anyways, let me go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when, when we set our flight parameters, the altitude we want. We also need the imagery to overlap each other. 
right? So when we um, design a flight path, think of it as uh, like a lawnmower kind of track, yep. right? It goes up the piece of property, turns, and comes back. Now, the images that it takes on that first track, the next track coming back has an overlap of 80 to 85%. Oh, that much, huh? That so much. it's not like a lawnmower where you have the wheel a little bit to the side You've of the line. You've got way over the You've side. You've got it way over. Okay. Yeah. And so that actually helps with um, creating that, that point cloud that we really are after uh, t- for the later processing. Um, so we end up um, with a photo set at the end that might be four or 500 images. And those images actually need to be stitched together and so that's what i'm talking about so we end up in the beginning or we we start with four or five hundred images and then we stitch those images together to create this one ortho mosaic is what it's called okay and that ortho mosaic is very powerful it's a it's a 3d uh point cloud that's what allows us to convert this into um cad drawings in the end and then Photogrammetry. Yeah, so f- that process of stitching the imageries, the images together, is photogrammetry. Okay. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So you have the piece you're really good at, the data collection, the stitching of the images together. You can get that. The leap was to now get it to a usable format. Yes. That's what you guys tackled. Yep. Next. We tackled that manually first. So we were taking this ortho and then tracing out that stuff manually in CAD. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, so the ballpark, it took you how long to do data collection and stitching? Okay, so um, I'll, I'll just, one of our last projects uh, was about a 40-acre project. Um, we were on site uh, setting ground control. This is, this is also what helps us get to our accuracies that we need. Yep. Um, setting ground control and actually doing the flight, we were on site less than four hours for 40 acres. And then within the next 24 hours in off-the-shelf software, uh, those images are all stitched together. So we're talking two days at most for that uh, data collection and the initial stitching of the imagery. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you were to do that 40 acres the old way, yeah. it would have taken another... Oh, um, it, it really. so the deliverable that we were uh, asked to produce for this project... Um, was topography and existing conditions. So if a, a traditional surveyor had been on that site, um, you know, he might have been there for a week collecting points. And that's a point at a time yeah. with GPS technology or mm-hmm. uh, total stations, right? You know, some, some surveyors like to, to use different kinds of uh, equipment for their data collection. Um, but it is a point-by-point kind of system. Hmm. I'll kind of put this in perspective. Uh, probably at best, a, a surveyor can uh, collect about 500 to, uh, you know, maybe a little more than that points per day. That's and a so it's a lot. Hmm. Uh, when we fly our drones, we're collecting 20 million points per hour. So it's a huge increase of data. Right, and it almost creates a problem downstream. You too much, too much data. Mm-hmm. You have now computers that can't even first open up these files. They're so big, mm-hmm. so you need 
more computing power. Um, but then because we have such dense um, data sets, is it opens us up to do other things, right? Not just topography. Now we can actually trace uh, the objects in those images to produce other other deliverables for our mm -hmm. clients. So, okay. So yeah. you've drastically reduced the time, and then even from the way you were doing it, where you were saying you were basically tracing, or surveyors were tracing that. Yeah. That's gone. Now that window is shrunk substantially. So you could, there's a developer wants some existing conditions on a particular property they're looking at buying. Maybe they want to look at doing expansions to it and they want to know what the zoning. Yeah. If they'd meet the zoning requirements. What would you say it would take for you to time frame? You get the phone call, assuming you had a crew at the ready, right? Which, mm -hmm. you know, depends on your backlog. But how long would it take from, hey, go fly this property to you're emailing me a 2D CAD file. Yeah. Um, well, Ballpark, in, in, in Right now, because um, as I said before, our company's core is building the autonomy of that tracing, right? And we have developed uh, a, certain layers in, in, in CAD terms, right? Okay. Can, in, you, can you say that again? Yes. Start from the beginning. So you, the, when you're talking about autonomy... Yes. Okay. So cur right now... Um, our end deliverable is still a manual process for us. Um, we, of course, are developing the autonomy of that, right? So, um, And what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, so we are developing um, machine learning algorithms that assist us in, in this tracing, right? Yep. Now, the more data that we push through uh, our software, the better it gets at tracing. Right now, we have five layers that we have uh, 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 written uh, code for, and um, those still need. It, it's it's it's. Think of it like um, uh, training your mind or training anybody's mind to be able to recognize something very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. And so. The more data that we push through, the, the better, the faster it gets at recognizing something and tracing it and labeling it. Got it. So that is the development, that process that we're in right now. We, we have about five objects that we're, we're, we're tracing right now, but it still needs, it needs more data for better training. Okay. So if I could do an example, right? Yeah. Um, to know what's a building, right? The, you could have all these points, but let's say you had a row of hedges that were in a square yeah. shape. Yeah. To the computer, that looks like a building, right? Because mm -hmm. it's just points. Yeah. So you're saying it's about learning the difference between hedges in a square yes. being a building and a building being yeah. a building. Is that, yeah, so is the, that a the, fair? It is a fair statement, yeah. And, and there's, sort of, there's several things that go into that, that recognition, it's obviously the shape of something, how that shape interacts with other shapes around it. There's also mm -hmm. a good indication of what that shape is. Um, and color and elevation also. So these good point. are things Your that shrubs help is yes. two feet off the ground. It's exactly. probably right. not a building. Yes. Ah, so there's, good there's, point. Yeah, there's, there's other indications that get built into it. And so as we are, let's say we're just focusing on building footprints, right? Mm. We are trying to recognize 
one-story buildings, two-story building, whatever, right? So there's a lot of, uh, of information that that we're 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 we're, help, we're using to train it with yeah. curbs, curbs in a parking yeah. lot. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so it's right now as as this development is happening, and in a typical site plan, we might have 25 additional layers, different objects that we have to trace out. So we have a lot of development in, in that. Uh, what do you mean when you say layers? Yeah, so layers would be every object in an image is a different layer. So buildings is one layer, mm-hmm. roads is another layer, sidewalks, and, and on. Utilities, trees, trees uh, fire hydrants, anything, any object, any asset that's on a piece of land, we want to uh, trace it and label it. And um, so we do that now manually. Mm-hmm. Um, we do use a t- uh, uh, our, our software to assist on some of that, but we need more development. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is why this is what we're doing. This right. is most of the focus of our, our company. And that's the machine learning is getting better. And yes. Let me just throw another example yeah. just because if, if it's taken me a second to figure it all out, there might be other people listening and, they, and they're in the same boat. Okay. Um, so let's say right now you're at the point where you can fly it and do the CAD, and the computer can pick out the building, can pick out trees, can pick out curbs. But if there was a transformer on the on a pad in the back, it doesn't know it yet. Right. Right. Correct. You guys will go in, label the transformer, um, maybe a bollard mm-hmm. it hasn't seen yet. You yep. label those, but. The next time it happens, maybe it figures out the transformer, or you do it three times, and then the fourth time it exactly. knows, okay, that's a transformer. Yeah. Um, so that's how, because even it's, you know, it's funny, there's a lot of um, terminology in talk where people talk about machine learning, AI. What's the difference? A big one, AR, VR. A lot of people use them interchangeably, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of terms I think that people don't necessarily grasp and even I didn't like I understood big picture what machine learning was but just by you talking about layers I think I got a better grasp of oh that's machine learning and that's how they say well with machine learning it just gets better and better well what do you mean how does it how is it getting better and better um so that's really that that's very interesting to me and hopefully I hope it's interesting to other people as well yeah um because we're getting into the weeds a bit but I think it's good learning so we're talking about your technology and how mm-hmm. it helps construction, but by by learning what these things mean, if it's in a different application, maybe folks will understand better. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. you, even though I'm dragging you down here a little bit, um, I appreciate you doing that. I think that's really helpful. So those layers get perfected, the machine learning gets perfected, and... And we're just able to turn that process over quicker, quicker. right? And that's what we're really after. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we'll go back to one your question that you sure. asked a little while ago, um, is what some of our turnaround times are. So right now, in, in a manual uh, tracing uh, scenario, we are able to turn over a project um, uh, in about three to four days. Right. Okay. And that's really good as as of right yeah. now. Our clients I'm, I'm are super happy yeah. with that alone. Yep. Um, now, when we th- throw in the autonomous part of it, the 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 machine learning uh, and tracing of this, we are really wanting wanting to perf- 
to perfect this to a less than 24 hour turnaround. And where this becomes super powerful for the construction industry is earlier insights, right, on your project. Earlier insights on a piece of land that you wanna purchase, earlier insights on uh, an ongoing construction project for quality control. Um, this is where it becomes very powerful. So at the end of the day, as, as, as the job site is closing down, uh, we envision a, a, a drone UAV going up, scanning the property, actually producing highly accurate uh, drawings of the, the, the existing space. Conditions. Yeah, yeah, existing conditions. And then people can make decisions on what, you know, if, if something is skew from the original design, um, you know, think about as people are putting in footings and foundations and structural walls and facades and how those pieces interact with the next stage, the next trade. So windows might go into a building, but the facade company that's coming in to do whatever paneling system or masonry system mm -hmm. are up there, wouldn't it be nice to know if windows are out of line? Mm -hmm. So you, before you actually get to a job site to, and realize that, oh, we've already pre-cut these and now that they're wrong side because window, the window bank from this side of the building to the, to the north side is it's off two fire. inches. Yeah. How do we adjust uh, the, the, uh, you know, the other products that are going to be installed? Hmm. These are the early insights that we're really after because people can make better decisions faster. Yeah. Now, so what would you say as of right now, where's the most interest or who's using you guys yeah. the most in for, for what type of work? Okay, so it's a, it's a good mix. Um, <laughs> early on, we were really uh, wanting to work with the surveying world. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's essentially we're mapping uh, the same sorts of things that surveyors do. I mean, they're... Absolutely, things that we do not touch, we can't touch. Um, boundary is one of them, and then underground utilities. There's just limitations, and then actually heavily wooded, uh, forested areas. I mean, yes, we can fly with lidar systems that penetrate tree canopies, um, but sometimes you have to simply wait till leaves come down, mm -hmm. and then we can get to uh, or continue to use um, photogrammetry with. RGB imagery, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there are limitations to what we can do, uh, and where our customers early on, like I said, were, were that the surveyors, um, but we started to realize the impact for, uh, further upstream. Um, yes, this was a great product, a great tool for surveyors, but as we are able to produce. Um, highly accurate maps early uh, early on in in the cycle of a, of a, a project yeah. um, other people are really interested in this kind of information hmm. civil engineers architects land developers uh, as they're first looking at projects to analyze whether this is a good spot to build in uh, what? How? How is my design going to interact with its surroundings? How is it going to interact with the land? Um, these guys want that information. Right now, what they're using is they're going to uh, publicly available data sets, mm -hmm. GIS, 
uh, zoning, all these different pieces that would really affect budget and schedule. Uh, and, and some of it is good, but it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And where we're opening up this world is because now we have such good turnaround times is these guys don't have to necessarily wait for the surveyor. Um, even, th- even though we're not uh, uh, licensed surveyors, we are still abiding by all of the the accuracy standards within the industry. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, our company will always push to be even even uh, better than that. I mean, that's what we want to, to try to, to produce. It's just accuracy is critical. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I mean, accuracy is critical. You're correct. But um, there's, when you were talking about the information available online kind of not being good enough, I think there's, there's two levels. There's like, there's never perfect, but there's like almost perfect. There's not good enough, right? But then there's, it's good enough. It's 95, 97%. And that's enough information I need to make my decision. Yeah. I don't need 99.9. I'm on the early phases here. I'm not laying out, you know, on with, pre- with precision accuracy. I'm yeah. looking at, am I going to meet setbacks or... Uh, what's the topography? How much dirt am I going to have to bring out of here? And, yeah. and though I do have a question around that. So okay. I'm bouncing around. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I, to me, I feel like there's there's a there's a space in there between 99.9 and not good enough. And I feel like you guys have that gap. Yeah. And you're closing in on the 99.9. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that, is that an accurate yeah. statement? And then do you think... Um, or is it being used, or do you think in the future it'll be used? So, a developer collects this data, data, and my Boston accent was coming over. There's no R there in data, um, and now they want to start building. Can you look at it and say, okay, we're going to dig a foundation here, based off of your 3D imagery? Would you be able to calculate how many cubic yards? Are going to have to be excavated. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a great product for understanding volumes, mm. volumetrics, cut and fill. I mean, that's exactly what a developer is trying to understand. Yep. Earthwork um, and water management are usually the the two biggest budget busters because somebody hasn't fully understood the, the land and the topography. Mm-hmm. And um, just recently, we've actually had two of our clients um, that feel like in their uh, typical job process um, that they f- are missing out on uh, revenues because they're not calculating volumes correctly. And also that they feel like they're being overcharged uh, by some of their subs because they're not calculating volumes accurately enough yeah. they say we're moving however many cubic yards or tons or depending on the material or whatever exactly right and it's yeah. really even if it's 90 percent of that we're talking about big numbers right 10 yeah. percent is a yeah one company uh just focuses on uh, highway work um they feel that in about a seven kilometer five mile stretch of highway they're losing out on about four hundred thousand dollars hmm. so Tackling that kind of thing is very important to us. Mm. Yeah. 
That's and, and volumetrics is it of course can be done this you know you have to have a flight before and after of course to see the the what the delta is but um, uh, this is really allowing of course the industry to make better decisions just for that simple reason right there mm. now do you think I'm just kind of going through use cases um, you're flying from above is there a way you guys can get to the point where you can start to um, figure out things in the vertical plane because I'm going through what is what, what do you monitor on a job and I think about you're erecting steel there is whether it's a surveyor or just an engineer that works for the iron worker is going out on a regular basis and checking the building for plumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it it's critical. It takes takes time. Um, it, are you at the point where? Because I know the drones are looking down. Are you at the point where you could get things in the vertical yet? And do you see yourself getting there if you can't yet? Or yeah, I mean, we already do. Um, we certainly when we when we fly. Um, uh, any kind of project, we're getting a 3D model. I mean, of of the Earth, but also of any of the objects you can that are spin on it. And yeah, yeah, exactly right. Okay. So we're getting a point cloud of vertical facades or or any of these things. Um, so it's already it's already happening. Mm-hmm. The tough part is actually the autonomy of tracing those objects three in 3D. Uh, we we can do that in a two dimensional. Um, mindset very easily now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not, I wouldn't say easily. We do that very well now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 3D aspect of that would be a feature that we would bring in later on in the company. Um, but yeah, we it, it's it's already achievable. Okay. Uh, the vertical. All right. So right yeah. now, so let's say you I'm doing using your software for progress, mm-hmm. and we've erected five stories of steel, and a drone flight. Could it produce the information? Be like, oh wow, the northeast corner is out of plumb. By you know, tolerances are actually surprisingly pretty big with steel, but it's two and a half inches out on the southeast corner. Yeah, is, is that? Yeah. So yeah, we're. I mean, the vertical stuff is there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in, in all of our. Uh, accuracy reports that we deliver with any of our flights uh, in any of our models our our goal is we have to be below a tenth of a foot in accuracy that's okay. survey grade mm-hmm. accuracy um, now of course we try to drive that down as much lower and lower as right. possible and there are projects now that we're getting out at 20th of a foot which is good. So, yeah. you but your minimum actually, is minimum is yeah. a tenth of a foot. Mm-hmm. If if we want our customers to be able to trust uh, our, our outputs, um, then they have to be below that mm-hmm. uh, that level. But yes, in knowing that we can get down to a twentieth of a foot, we can certainly uh, detect uh, this you know sort of difference in plumb for mm-hmm. for any kind of structure. And yeah, again, back to where I was talking about quality control. This mm-hmm. is this is the, the real yeah. use case. Right, right, yeah. Is after the steel is uh, erected, or even during that As process, it's being erected. Yeah, yeah, critical. Yeah. You're getting daily reports on these kinds of things. Hmm. Now, it's it's just it's it's 
it's information that is useful for the steel worker, right, or those companies, but it's yeah. also useful for all the trades that kind of follow, and especially the management behind it too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm solely, uh, uh, wrongly, I'm looking through it from as a general contractor, yeah. right? Yeah. But yes, the subcontractors, the other trades that this, to your point about the windows, right? That's all valuable, valuable, valuable information. Yeah. yeah. Huh. All right. I'm being cognizant of time. Okay. I want to make sure we get to some stuff. That's why I, I kind of keep looking, keep keep checking the clock because right. uh, I don't want to go too long. Um so let's go forward and then I might come back because okay. I still have some That's things fine. I yeah, want to talk about. But where do you see the company five years from now? Mm-hmm. What does your technology look like? What do you, what do you hope to be able to do? Um, is it a, you know, is there a dashboard component that you have? Is it used by particular clients or is this something that I'm going to go online and I'm going to go to Airworks and you know order up what I need like how what do you what do you guys see what where do you see your company sure yeah so um in the end after you, you peel apart the the core of our business which is really just object identification okay. and I'm going to be rude and interrupt yeah how far are you guys into this Time-wise. Oh yeah. Okay. So we started the company about a year ago. Okay. So, you, um, so you're a year-ish. Yes, in. a year-ish. Okay. In. All right. With with a, a world of experience before. Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> Which is very important. Yeah, lots and lots of uh, troubleshooting and uh, you know uh, life learning experiences uh, throughout that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so you see yourself. You're you're an image collection. Yeah. Company. Yeah. So actually. Or image uh, capturing. Well, I, I would even uh, I would say that would be the piece that we want to step away from. Right now, we are high touch with our clients because we uh, this is this is new to everyone, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And so, we have to uh, make sure that we're delivering to our clients what they what they want first of all with a great customer experience, but it's also helping us mold our, our how we develop um, our systems in the end. And so it has to go hand on hand. I can't. I couldn't say oh, we don't want to do the data collection. We don't want to do the photogrammetry, the the image stitching. All we want to do is the the processing from uh, point cloud to uh, CAD file. Um, we we wouldn't have a market right now. Mm. The industry is still adopting the drone part of it, and we're sort of looking at it a little further downstream. So in five years, uh, yes, our company will look like. We'll have a platform where clients can um, come on. Uh, they can select a parcel of land or the piece of land that they're interested in getting analytics on. And we'll have publicly known uh, data. So GIS information, zoning information, setbacks, easements, wetland, environmental, sort of like all this public data mm. that's already there yep. that... People have FEMA to, map, zoning maps. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. Stuff, yeah. These will be maps that are just layered on top of each other. So when you look at a piece of property, um, you can see really the whole picture. Hmm. And then with a click of a button, you can order the topography, the existing conditions. Um, and as we develop as a company, we might be starting to pre-fly areas so that at really at a click of a button, this is you ready have, to yeah. be delivered. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. 
and I'm trying, I'm trying to think like, um, that to some degree removes you guys out of the picture quite a bit. Right. Cause the, the hurdle is really the control, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. where you need, that's where you need people involved. So I'm just thinking like, let's say you guys do fantastic and 5,000 people show up on your site on a Tuesday and order up uh, a various um, desired result. Mm-hmm. How do you get 5,000 people out there to set, con- to set control? Like, have you guys thought about that? Like, Well, that's the restriction of a service-based business, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we want to put the data collection uh, in ground control. I know you're using control and how do you control that the, the business, but we actually set ground control. Well, that's what I actually, yeah, I did okay. mean ground control. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay. so how do you... How do you get ground control in 5,000 places if you become like a mobile platform? Yeah. Right? I mean, or a platform in general. Well, we can always we can only be as good as we are with good data coming in. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a set of standards, right, that we need to, to achieve before if we want to deliver that ac- highly accurate product in the end. And so it will be a learning curve um, for our clients but we're already seeing that we're already training um clients to fly and set uh, ground control Mm -hmm. themselves yeah and they just are sending us the coordinates um and the the photo sets Mm. and we take it from there yeah it's actually it was interesting there's another company that i'm familiar with that you know they're in the same process which is they're early yeah and it's very high touch yeah right they have to be out there but their end game is how can they educate their client enough to the prep work that they need to do when they go out onto a site to get everything set up. Mm-hmm. They would love to be able to just ship that to somebody, set it up, and everything's handled yeah. r- remotely. So yeah. I think you guys are not alone in that model. There are lots of companies, I think, that are trying to figure out how to – because yeah. that's, that's how it becomes scalable, right? Yeah. Which is – right now, that's your – pinch point have to physically go to ground control it is but you know it, it when if you think back to we we're just talking about the machine learning side mm-hmm. h- how do we develop that without data right so it's serving two purposes for us right now mm. it's helping us mold um, our software yep. uh, for for our tracing but is also helping us gain, gain traction in, in, the in the marketplace right yeah. now too and it's feedback yeah of course <laughs> right absolutely i mean oh hey every... like could you... sorry to make yeah no ahead. no worries go ahead yeah no i mean because it, it's great for you to say oh this is what people want but if you roll up there and be like yeah no that's useless to me but can you give me this <laughs> right because if you do that i want you i have 20 projects for you tomorrow yeah oh hey you know what some other guy said that too and that woman over last week she said the same thing like all right, this is this is where we should be going. So that's yeah. powerful too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, how about the? It's it's funny. It seems like there's so much potential, and you guys are doing a number of things too, right? So I, I'm sure you struggle with do one thing well, focus, whatever. But then at the same time, what else? Are your what are, what are your other capabilities? Um, so I know we've chatted in the past about like the thermal imaging type stuff. What else is on the horizon or what else are you doing 
concurrently. Yeah. So, you know, as uh, our company was born and raised uh, out of MIT, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually one of the on, only non-MIT uh, people in, in our company. Yep. And um, is one of the things uh, that through the accelerators that we've been a part of uh, through this past year is, you know, you, you, we all have these good ideas as entrepreneurs. Um, and that idea seems really good to ourselves to the person who's thought of it right yeah of course (laughs) Um, but you really have to go out there and test it Mm -hmm. so before you incorporate and before you go build out a website is market research Mm -hmm. and so we spent a long time doing market research we had a proof of concept um, and then we wanted to make sure people actually wanted to buy it and so once we determined that then we said, okay, let's get out there and now we can sell this product. But with every time that we deliver a set of drawings, we're, we're always looking for feedback. Mm. It means the only way that we can mold learn. our product yeah. and learn. Whether it's, I tell uh, our clients, whether it's good or bad, I, I, I want to know. Mm. Almost more so if it's bad. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, but it's human human nature and kind of psychology where they don't they don't want to tell you the exactly bad stuff. they want to tell you the good stuff right but they'd rather not say anything and right, just they, kind they, of they move don't away wanna... carefully don't hurt anybody's feelings yeah, yeah. void controversy yeah but still that's that's the only thing that allows us to to change uh, our process mm. um maybe repeat the so uh... it's really about i what i'll i'll be blunt instead okay. of leading yeah um I thought it sounded really cool where you guys chatted at one point about using thermal images to do like roof inspections, okay. facade inspections. Like, yeah. is, is that something that is coming that you guys still want to do? Is it something you want to move to the back burner? And yeah. then is there anything else out there that I don't know about that you guys are? It's, it's there, at? right? And mm-hmm. so we know that there's a market there for it. And maybe explain to people what I just said. Okay. Because I just said it real. <laughs> I, I just threw it out quick, but... Well, as you talk about um, developers trying to understand what they're purchasing, right? Mm-hmm. The piece of land, or if the land has a structure on it already, it's, it's very risky, right? Not understanding everything about the site and the buildings that are on the site. And thermal imaging actually is one of the best ways to see what's going on. Yes, when you look at a facade of a building, if you see efflorescence coming down the, the brick, you know that you've got a water issue. Mm-hmm. But what if there are no efflorescence showing up yet? But there mm-hmm. is a massive amount of water behind the facade wall. What, how, do you look, how do you see it? Mm-hmm. So thermal imaging is another one of those uh, 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 technologies that allows us to get there to um, help our customers make better decisions. The problem with scaling that is thermal imaging right now um, and to be able to produce models at scale it's very hard to do autonomously and so the stitching of the photogrammetry side of it right Mm. you you have you have to produce rgb imagery on top of the thermal imagery it's like two different sets and then the rgb so that is uh it's the same um uh uh, kind of image that we all use with our cameras uh, on our phone or that's just the the name of it standard imagery versus thermal okay yeah yep 
And so uh, those actually get brought together to produce this model, right? We can, uh, we can look at one thermal image of a side of a building, but somebody actually still has to look at that thermal image and figure out where the issues are. And that's a, that's a very manual process. But to do that at scale, you have to have a lot of people a analyzing these images. So to bring, for us as a company, to be in line with the rest of our autonomy that we're building, we, we really are looking at this from how do we build autonomy into that. Hmm. And so that comes onto the scene later on once we really, really can, can nail that piece of it. Okay. So, and, and so part of that five years from now is the thermal Mm -hmm. But it's also the 3D um, modeling as well. Uh, so that's further out down the road. It's, it's more development that has to happen. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it seems like there's a tremendous amount of value there. Like I, I you guys uh, had a image of a roof and you could see where water was getting yeah, under the rubber roof. Yeah. So, you know, either where it's pooling on the surface or if it's getting underneath mm -hmm. and the insulation's wet. Yeah. Um, I think as a potential investor in a building, not that I am, but if I was a potential investor in a building, Absolutely. that'd be really valuable, right? Absolutely. Facade, where's water getting? And, yep. Um, here's going to be, you, you need a, a, a test case. <laughs> in my bathroom right now, the second floor, <laughs> we just did an addition, right? Uh, a, um, a dormer. We're getting this wet insulation smell. Oh, no. In the bathroom. And the other day, I was just thinking like, Oh, I wish I had some x-ray vision. Either x-ray vision or I was thinking, all right, I'm going to have to cut this open, but it's plaster and like, you know, yeah, I could just use joint compound and tape. And, but like, and I'm thinking of cutting the wall open. Um, do you think just the thermal camera Absolutely. would do the trick? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not just um, uh, viewing differences in temperatures, right? Yes, that's an indication that there is uh, there's something going on. It's, it's it's really the the irregularities that we're that we're after, right? Is yeah. this spot cold or hot? Mm -hmm. And so that difference, right, is, is some indication of something's Someplace. happening back there. Now, as we're able to profile that more and more and more, that's actually what will lead to the autonomy, because mm. we just like machine machine learning, we have to have an image of, a, 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 you know, a third, in this case, we'll take a thermal image. Hmm. But when you start profiling what mold behind sheetrock looks like, right, and trace it and map it and label it and do that consistently enough, hmm. that's when we can start to produce autonomous analytics on the thermal side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, crap. Now I got to, <laughs> we got about three minutes, right, but right. I, uh, you said mold. Yeah. Like, um, is it just moisture and temperature you can figure out or like it's 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 mainly moisture uh, and temperature um, where you can also there are indications of mold but again those are just the profiles of, of the different colors or where they actually sit on the facade I mean if you're looking if you are uh, have we've mapped a, a, a facade of a building and underneath a windowsill we have this like pattern pattern we know most likely that it's water. Yeah. But then in some other area, it's just this random spot. Maybe that that profile looks more like a mold. mold. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. right now, with all this wood frame going on, <laughs> um, it's the thing that no one's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There, 
there is mold in such a large percentage of these wood frame construction yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, it's a major issue. It's a major issue for insurance companies. It's a major in, um, issue for contractors. But I'm thinking if I'm a developer and I'm looking at purchasing one of these, Absolutely. if it's wood, I'm really concerned about mold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that. I wasn't didn't even go there. But, you know, I bet you if we sat here and talked for a, a, another hour, we'd... <laughs> Which we can if think, you want. <laughs> I, I would like to, All yeah. Right. Um, we'd come up with probably a boatload oh, more yeah. use cases. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it is endless. And... Uh, you know, we have to be very cautious, right? Mm. As uh, as forward thinkers, entrepreneurs, we're always looking for for ways to make impact in, in this world and for, for me as this industry. Mm. And right now I have to be very focused on what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, there are so many other applications. And as we grow as a company, we'll be able to get into those later on. Right. But right now it has to be very focused on... One thing, which is basically existing conditions and topography for mm. us. That's our that's our uh, focus. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Adam. Well, thanks for coming in um, a year. In. Whoa, what and I really appreciate What's coming? What's out there? Um, I think the thought process and just building a business is exciting. So that's kind of my personal. Uh, selfish interest a lot of times when folks are coming in i'm just curious how well how'd you do it right (laughs) um that's a pretty big bias and a theme that's been happening with this but um you know i'm excited thanks for giving everybody a little bit of an education and uh thank you maybe down the line we bring you back in oh yeah of course yeah all right adam love it appreciate it thank you very much take care thank you hey everyone can't thank you enough for listening to the show uh hope you enjoyed it hope you loved what you heard um if you did If you wouldn't mind heading over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen, and give us a rating. It would help us to get heard, which would be huge. Keep this thing going. Um, If you want to get more involved, head over to massconstruction.org. You can see what we do there. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, all from that page, whatever your medium is that you prefer. Uh, And last thing I got to say is thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep your hands away from me, yeah.